I'm Adam Rappaport. Welcome back to the Bon Appetit Foodcast. We are coming to you from Chicago Gourmet in Millennium Park, Chicago. And we are joined now by Deputy Editor Andrew Knowlton and our special guest, Beverly Kim from Parachute Restaurant and Edward Kim from Mott Street and Ruxpin here in Chicago. Guys, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having us. All right. So you're not brother and sister and you're not married, right? Let's just get that out of the way first. <laughs> We're not. Because you do have a ring on your finger, Edward. I do, but uh, <laughs> I want to dispel any rumors. <laughs> um, yeah, it's funny because there's another chef in the city, Bill Kim, and they always think we're related. So, <laughs> have you guys have you guys thought of ever opening a restaurant together? All the Kims, <laughs> the Kim Dynasty. Then <laughs> you, you will crush it. <laughs> um, all right, the one thing that you do have in common um, that you are related is that Andrew Knowlton here, our sort of chief restaurant critic. Named both of your restaurants to our Hot 10 Best New Restaurants in America list. He named Ruxpin in 2012 and Parachute Justice last month in 2015. Um, hey, congratulations. And, and Nolton, I'm going to throw the mic to you. What what interested you about both these restaurants? Um, well, I think one of the, the interesting things about Chicago in general is like people think of it as a meat and potatoes town. But one thing that I've always been attracted to in the city is, I hate the word, but like this modern Asian kind of between... Um, Edward, your two restaurants, and Beverly, your one restaurant, and then places like You Show and Fat Rice. Like it seems like, and they're uh, they're all in these kind of cool neighborhoods. Like what what is it about Chicago that you think I don't know kind of generates or helps fuel those those type of restaurants that you guys seem to run? I I think a huge thing is uh, immigrant population here. Uh-huh. Uh, you have tons of Asians, Mexicans. I I, I think that. Chicago has the best Mexican food outside of LA. Right. You know, you go to New York and it's awful. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's, 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 <laughs> hey, wait a minute. But I mean, were you born here or were you born in Korea? I was born uh, in the suburbs. Oh, in the suburbs. Uh, I was born in the suburbs too. <laughs> Woohoo. Suburban nights. Uh, yeah, I think being second generation, like the wave of Asian immigration was mainly in the 60s, 70s. And now it's kind of like, they're, the, if you go to an old school Korean restaurant, um, they're usually run by like older ajashis and stuff. And so it's like we're kind of growing up and doing our version of what we grew up with, also what what we grew up as an American. So it's it's an interesting time in Chicago because you don't see this new wave of fresh immigrants like Thirty Second Street in New York, mm-hmm. like. Like the Koreatown's actually really kind of dying off, but mm-hmm. the second generation Korean Americans and um, people who have Korean American friends or Asian American friends, it's it's them like taking those flavors. And uh, I know um, Abe and Adrian. Adrian's Chinese American, so from Fat Rice. From Fat Rice, yeah. So um, and then you know Chef Matt Matthias from You Show. I mean, he's American, but I he has a huge affinity for those flavors, and I think it's just having a lot of friends or exposure to it and in the like in the 90s and 2000s I don't think there was even that much exposure to that and so finally it's like this generation where it's like exploding because we're all grown up yeah. and, and you're really spreading your wings creatively and your restaurant has Korean influences but it's not a traditional Korean restaurant what do you like what do your parents think about the food you serve I don't know about you Ed but Edward but like my my parents come in once a week <laughs> Really? Were they skeptical at first? Like, where's the traditional Korean barbecue or bibimbap? Or yeah, my mom is especially critical. She's like a really good cook, and aren't they all? Yeah, they're yeah. She's especially critical, but like, she's been craving all the food that we've been doing, and it's exciting for her. She's seventy-two, so she'll even ask me, you know, what the rest 
you know, what I put in that kimchi because it's different, you know? And so it's, she gets it that it's different. I mean, it, sometimes it's a little too salty for her taste because I find that Koreans in that generation have a different palate, um, but, uh, or like too acidic for her or something. Um, so she always gives her two cents, but she's here once a week. Edward, what about your parents and in the, in the food that you grew up eating? My, my parents come over pretty often too, once a week, I would <laughs> say about. Um, yeah, and for us, like we'll have dishes that I, I feel are very Korean once in a while. And um, my mom will taste it and she's like, this is not Korean at all, you know? <laughs> and uh, I, I think that's a, that's a beautiful thing. What Beverly was touching on about being second generation and we're used to working with Asian ingredients or growing up eating Korean food and being exposed to American food at the same time. I think uh, in the 80s and 90s, you had a lot of Asian fusion food and maybe chefs that weren't super familiar with right. Uh, the tour that they were taking from. Are you talking about Chinese chicken salad? <laughs> <laughs> At Wendy's, yeah. yes. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I think uh, when we go into our pantries, because we grew up, you know, with mac and cheese and, and kimchi up there and, and everything, and or I think that the, the food that we're coming into... And this is the thing that we struggle a lot with at Ruxpin and Mod is like, well, how do we label ourselves? Are we are we fusion? Mm-hmm. You know, and it's because like such a dirty word. Yeah, su- yeah, yeah, such a dirty word. But I feel maybe the past few years, like fusion is no longer dirty. No, I don't and, think it is either. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, it's, that's the most interesting food I think that you can eat in the country right mm-hmm. now is that stuff that from y'all's restaurants where it's just like you're not sure what it is, but it's it's American because it pulls from all these different you know influences. Yeah, and, and I think it's awesome because now it's. Because it's a second generation, we're we're familiar with these ingredients. It's it's not forced. Right. Do you find that either you do you find that your customers come in with a preconceived notion of what your food should be, or are they just happy to eat anything delicious? Uh, you know, there's a small minority that like comment on Yelp or something that like <laughs> this isn't Korean food. This is not at all like Korean at all. Or, um. I don't know. It, there are people who might come in like, what's the most Korean thing on your menu, you know, and ask <laughs> me like to to recommend something. And it's it's um, it's challenging. But for the most part, people, I think we we just tried really hard in the beginning to call it Korean American. <laughs> so, you know, uh, the hyphen um, and hopefully people will just eventually just see it as American you know, it's American, we're part of the American culture, right, you right. know, but I think you ha- people know, want to know what to expect. And um, people don't even know what Korean food, some people don't even know what Korean food is, like, right. they just walk into our doors, and it's a new experience for them. So uh, that that's like the best kind of customer who can, or diner who just like is open minded. Mm-hmm. And doesn't put a label on it. Is it is it kind of shocking to both of you, you know, growing up with kimchi, you know, and, and that being a normal thing, is it kind of funny that Korean food, for whatever reason, has become kind of cool? You know, like it's a thing now? It, it's huge. Like I remember as a child, my my grandmother would cook uh, and kimchi jjiga, and I would have friends come over and I would be so embarrassed. <laughs> you know, and, and it was... It was horrifying to me right. because, you know, I viewed myself as, as Americans and then, or as an American in my. But your food was different, you know. It was different. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's it's obvious when you walk into the house and you can it's smell, smell. <laughs> you know. And and now it's, I I think it's amazing because, even my parents uh, still have that preconceived notion. They're like, oh, are are white people going to enjoy this? Are American people going to enjoy this? And I think we're we're in a space where when we cook, we, we just have to make sure that we like it, yeah. you know? And then at least we're gonna be judged on um, our, our merits, you know? And so uh, 
I think that people are awful judges of what other people think, but I can be a very good judge of, of what I think is good. And so when I was a child, there's no way I think I could have made a, a dish like denjang jjigae and uh, other people would enjoy it. And it's awesome that, that people, people do now. Mm. I used to hide out at Kendall Dormitory when I was in culinary school, and I would just have cravings because so much, you know, butter, bur- blancs and everything. And I would just, like, cook in this little one pot, like, tinjang jjigae and kimchi. I could hear people walking by. They're like, they'll stop at my door like, do you smell stinky feet? Do you, s- <laughs> what is that? And I would just, like, hide and, like, shrink in a corner and just, and, like, eat my little thing because I was just, like, craving it so bad. And I think that's the thing is, like, the food is so natural, you know, it has those, you know, different smells and, and scents and and uh, being able to not be ashamed of it anymore is very, yeah. really. I mean, now now you get kimchi at Whole Foods, like you buy sauerkraut for hot dogs. It's oh, I just, know. It's a basic condiment almost in America. <laughs> no, the fact that like, um, we always talk in the test kitchen, like all of a sudden gojujang became this like Sirac, you know, the it's like ketchup. all this, yeah, and it's like <laughs> nobody knew what that was, you know, in, in a certain context, and now it's like a foodie cret, you know. I still can't pronounce it. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a lot of um, just like as a minority, like a little self esteem, you know, boost with that, like that the next generation doesn't have to be like feel embarrassed about dried fish, about, you know, these cultural things that de- define our culture, mm. and, um, you know, the kimchi fridge or yeah. <laughs> whatever can, they, they made fun of us. Beverly, can you talk about, all right, at, um, at Parachute, you have that one dish on your menu, the Bing bread. I called it the best thing I ate last year. And it really is. <laughs> can you describe what it is to the listener and talk about how, how popular it's become? You know, actually, we're a Korean-American restaurant, but it's actually the base of that's from a Chinese recipe. It's a, kind of a layered dough, a yeast dough, where you layer in basically just scallions and sesame oil and sesame seeds, but the Chicago part of me added the loaded baked potato flavors, which is the broadbent's bacon and the white cheddar, and then still has the soy and sesame flavors in there, but lots of scallions, extra scallions, and like the potatoes. And I thought that's me, because I grew up in the Midwest and you know people are comforted. You have to kind of do something that bridges the gap between comfort for, for people around here and then something that's a little bit different. Yeah, and it comes out of the oven like a giant hockey puck, and, <laughs> and and you slice into it, and like it is like it's like a loaded pizza skin from Pizzeria Uno, and with like the the sour, and when you mm-hmm. what you serve it, what do you serve? What kind of butter or sour it's like cream? Like sour cream butter. Yeah, and I think it kind of it's nice because it's for me it's a texture that's different. It's crispy, but then in the inside it's chewy, and I really find like that bridges the gap between Asian affinities for that chewiness and then density and then like 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 some somewhat like mochi it's kind of chewy and dense and then the american like affinity for bread right and bacon and bacon (laughs) and edward like with when um ruxpin opened and then you opened mott street is is there dishes on your menu i mean i know the the wings people love obviously but is there a dish at ruxpin your first restaurant that is something like you could never take off now the menu I don't feel that way. No, okay. No, I, not... I, I think, um, yeah, I think that's uh, that's the beauty of Ruxpin is that right. uh, we're always trying to evolve and, um, yeah. Uh, whenever, what I feel like whenever we get to that point where I'll even hear my sous chef and, and it's like, oh, I, this has been on since I since I've started and, and we can't take it off the menu. Then that makes me want to take it off the menu. <laughs> yeah. At um, at restaurants like yours, how do, how do cocktails factor into what you do? Cocktails are huge at, at Mott Street, at Ruxpin. They're, 
uh, non-existent because it's BYOP. <laughs> How in sync with the food do the, do the cocktails need to be? Uh, we, we, we try to do local. And um, I think there's uh, the Asian influence because the bar pro program works so closely with, with the kitchen. And so they're using a lot of the same ingredients as well. Like such as? Such as uh, Szechuan peppercorns, pink peppercorns, all the spices that we're using. Uh, the guys are really excited about using goji berries with their gin. Mm. Beverly, what about a parachute? Um, we have like three dedicated cocktails. Um, we have a really small area for beverage, so they change seasonally. Um, you know, we have uh, like one of the favorites with like a yuja cha whiskey sour. So it's a lot of um, taking some Korean ingredients, and, um, but not always Korean. Sometimes it's just like tea, like um, like something that. And Maddie's our beverage director, and he's super, super, super uh, creative and. Um, Highly suggest you try the the three cocktails, and we just call it one, two, and three because it changes all the time. <laughs> it's much easier. Than it's much easier to be clever, right? <laughs> yes, yeah. and um, it goes well with the food. It's like all the spices and the wide range of flavors that you're gonna get. What kind of beer do you prefer with your food? Me, you know, growing up like Asian, like the lager, really crisp lager. You Such know? as. Well, right now we have a paranoia um, on tap that's. Uh, Particular brew for us from I'm gonna mess this up. The IBW uh, is the the brewer. Um, also, we really uh, like our local Revolution Brewery. The Rosa in the summertime is awesome. Um, you know, Korean wise, go for I don't know OB or OB, Height. Yeah. Height. Uh, uh, I, I like like lighter things or Hitochino. You know, right. uh, light ale or something like that. Um, just because it, it's refreshing and light. I also highly recommend, we have a, a rice makgeolli. It's locally brewed. It's the only uh, brewery outside of South Korea. And it's in Niles, Illinois. <laughs> it's called Slow City. Um, and it's um, the bottles are like made in such a way that it allows for fermentation. So there's no like additives or sulfites. And so this is like cloudy, like rice beer. Um, we try to really turn everyone onto it. Um, Mr. O, uh, it's like a one man show. He like brings in it every week. And so last time Beverly, I, you were in New York City recently and you know, I asked you where you were, I always asked visiting chefs, where are you going to eat? And I always expect like, oh, we're gonna go to Jean Georges. We've never been to, you know, the Nomad. Yeah. But you guys went to Koreatown, oh, you, yeah. and, you, and, you and your partner Johnny <laughs> to Koreatown in, mm -hmm. in Manhattan. And I, I was just curious when both of you guys get that kind of jonesing for like old school Korean food, what's your, like, what do you have to have when you go and sit down and order? My my go to is uh, salongtang. What's that? You can usually get salongtang in uh, New York, but the even more old school version or hardcore version is goregongtang, uh, which is a soup made with ox oxtails. Okay. And those bones are are yep they're they're boiled for hours until the soup turns like milky white. I mean, there's there's a Korean version of chicken soup which is like samgyetang. Yeah. But uh, that soup to me is is the soup. Spicy? Is there chili paste added, or does it stay kind of milky? It's milky. Uh, you get it with kadugi, uh, which is a uh, from it's like a kimchi version with radish. Okay. Uh, mm. It's a little bit fresher and crunchier. And for me, what I love to do is I, I love to put my rice in there and put a little bit of the the juice from the kimchi into there. Mm. Uh, you season with a little bit of salt and green onions, and mm. it's it's classic for when you have a hangover. Yeah. It's just really clean and. You can feel yourself getting stronger mm -hmm. when you're doing it. So, like, uh, we suffer from like crazy winters in Chicago, and I'll 
uh, put a pot on that, mm-hmm. uh, a pot of that on, like mm-hmm. right when we get into work, and then I'll make the guys shovel the snow with me, and then we'll come in <laughs> and we'll eat that, and uh, it feels great. Mm, Beverly, what about favorites. you? <laughs> um, a handful. Um, one of the hardest things to find is a goat stew. It, it's stewed with um, pr- um, lots of sesame leaves, and it, there used to be a restaurant called. There is a restaurant called Chosenok. They took it off the menu. It's just like I don't know why. It was like the coolest thing that they had, um, and it came in this big pot and tons of sesame leaves and perilla seeds. Um, we actually have a version of it on our menu right now, but it was just comforting. It was this wild dish, you know, very wild and different than you would get at Korean restaurants. Um, right now in, in America, it seems like Korean barbecue is becoming really, really popular in a lot of the cities. Is, as a customer, what should we look for? What, 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 what's the hallmark of a, a good Korean barbecue restaurant and what should we order? I think you need to, if, if the meat is good, then you have to get uh, the sengalbi. Uh, galbi is uh, short ribs that are cut thinly. Uh, most people might be expecting it from if they're used to eating it uh, Western style, something braised. Yeah. But uh, Korean uh, Korean food really celebrates uh, fresh, and w- one of the terms that is often heard in Korean food is jolgi jolgi, you know, and like uh, chewy chewy, you know, and and uh, like even even their sushi is super fresh. Like we like it, uh, or Korean people like it when it has rigor mortis in it. You know, that's how fresh <laughs> they want it. And um, this, when the octopus uh, is like still in your mouth, moving still out. moving, yeah. <laughs> But so I would say, like, if if you have good quality meat, like, mm-hmm. or the restaurant's known, then you want you want the sengalbi. You want it without it being marinated, and and you can dip it into all the other sauces, like I, sesame oil, salt, and pepper. Usually dipping yep. with tons of scallions with that. Mm-hmm. Well, guys, thank you so much for stopping by our little uh, Chicago gourmet podcast studio. We're actually like in a bunker beneath the uh, the, the Frank Gehry <laughs> band shell here. Um, at Millennium Park. Um, it's gorgeous out there. Pretty pretty cinder blocky in here. Um, but before we let you go, Andrew here is going to do our lightning round where we do either or questions and you have to answer. Okay, here we go. All right, Beverly, you first. Um, Gojujang or Donjang? Tenjang? Yeah. Oh, shit. Tenjang. Okay. What, and what is that and why? It's a fermented soybean paste. Uh, it's really good for your health, earthy. Um, it's it's similar to miso, but it has another ex- extra bacterial strain. Um, mm. And it's chunky and earthy. And it's just like when you're feeling the blues, it puts you, <laughs> you right back up. It's just, there's something about it. Korean peanut butter or something? Like, I don't know. <laughs> it's beyond that. It's like... I don't know how to explain it. There's no word to explain how good Tanjong is. What like, you, Edward? For the same one? Yeah, yeah. Same question? Tanjong, definitely. Okay, yeah. interesting. Uh, all right, sunchokes or Brussels sprouts? Brussels sprouts. Brussels sprouts. Okay. Uh, what about silken tofu or extra firm tofu? Silken. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I feel like you get more versatility with not... Can I say firm tofu? Extra firm is a little too much. Okay, you for can me. say firm. That's that's fair. I always have firm tofu. All right, Chicago style hot dog or deep dish pizza? I go with deep dish. I love deep dish. What's your favorite place in Chicago? My favorite is actually in the sub. I, I think Lumonati's in the suburbs. Lumonati's in the suburbs, but in the suburbs. Okay, it's got to be the, the one. Burbs. <laughs> it has to be in the burbs. <laughs> I have to yeah. try that. <laughs> like uh, if you go to like Lincolnshire, that that's yeah, quality. Lincolnshire. 
Um, I have to go with the Chicago hot dog, the most balanced hot dog. What's your um, favorite spot? I don't know the name now. I, I kind of it was Wiener Circle. I like Wiener Circle. Yeah. I don't know. It's just like a random one near oh, like Planetarium. Shake, right? You no, know, no. they have those like little stands. I was going to ask Chicago hot dog or <laughs> Italian beef because I've never had Italian beef. What's What's the deal with it? Oh, where you dip it in, where it's like really juicy on yeah. that that uh, roll, Italian roll, and it's like. Um, Tons of jardinera and greasy and drippy. In a good oh, way. Yeah. In no, a good way. No one. Are you an Italian beef guy? Um, not not really. I mean, I've I've come around to Chicago style hot dogs and deep dish pizza only recently. So uh, <laughs> no, I'm not. I'll, I'll stick with the the Philly roast pork. Uh, all right. Next question: pickled or spicy? No, two. That, that's a tough one because they're they're not mutually ex- exclusive. <laughs> pickled. I would, I would go with pickled as pickled. well. Pickled. All right. What about waffle fries or shoestring fries? God, they're, they're very deep into thought about this one. <laughs> shoestring. I, I, I think I use shoestring more in my cooking, but I do... But waffle fries are so special. God, they're so yeah. good. <laughs> when you get them, <laughs> maybe I don't. Maybe maybe I don't make them because they're such a pain in the ass to make. And that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, and and last question is butter or olive oil. Olive oil. I might go with butter. Guys, Beverly and Edward, thank you so much for joining us on the Bon Appetit Foodcast. I'm Adam Rapport. That's Andrew Knowlton. We're coming to you from Chicago Gourmet. Thanks, guys. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> This podcast is brought to you by executive producer Bell Cushing and project manager Carrie Polis with editing by Mitra Kaboli. The theme music is by Valerie and the Greedies. Tune in every Wednesday for a new episode on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.